the stories you will witness here. These will be our gift to you and the world. Stories that may live through the ages when we cannot. A brief spark of imagination to take you on a wild ride of emotions. Fun while it lasts. To take you on a journey that we hope you will join us on before we all return our heat to the dirt. Welcome to Mortis Maledictum. Mortis Maledictum is a full cast cosmic dark fantasy audio drama about a world where terrible evil threatens our reality. The story starts out feeling anthological, but you will quickly find their tales are interwoven and set the grand stage for a thrilling and twisted climax. They offer you horrific monsters, complex stories, and unexpected twists that will sure pull you in. Mortis Maledictum can be found on YouTube, Audible, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Come in here. Now, go on, get off my porch. You know, I try my very best to be hospitable and welcoming to all of my travelers within the forest. But you two, mm-mm-mm, you two are trouble. Now go on and get cause trouble elsewhere and stay far away from my window and my souls. Ozymandias couldn't wait for the Alliance's reaction. Being overthrown wasn't what he wanted under his rule. It really hadn't been his fault after all. The Alliance were responsible for the numerous failed hybrid nurseries. They never ceased attempting the fusion of the intellectually superior yet physically bronze species that would rule not only the area the terrestrials referred to as 
the Milky Way, but almost the entire quadrant of Stygian. Osmandus, it has to be seen by the Vanguard first. Everything is screened by the Vanguard before it goes before the Alliance, and it's been that way for what would be considered five years in Teletime. Cleta meant well. She really did. She knew the failure of Ozymandias' regime was hard on everyone but him, more so than anyone. Through trials and tribulations, the planet of Antrometheus had known several different leaders. Ozymandias wasn't the only failure in their executive history. When the entire future of your whole civilization and advancement of your species is predicted on the successful algamen of your own kind and terrestrials. You become acutely aware of just how much a support system you need. In the beginning, his entire cabinet was right there with him, even right after his coup d'etat. Some tried to still support him. At the end, it was Cleta, always Cleta. She never wavered, not one time. Granted, Lugosimonia Thalalimia were first generation and still thought to be the best solution to strengthening the terrestrial's bond to Antromertians. It was so promising. How it all went awry, no one even knew. They just knew it did. Cleta, the two aberrations, and the other failed Thalalimia were a constant reminder not just himself, all of Antrometheus. Since Antrometheus began studying terrestrials, they learned humans are very superstitious beings. They feared what they don't know. They worshipped deities and have actual structures where this takes place. Ozymandias recalled the term being church. How odd to actually build an entire construction just to praise your higher power. These terrestrials were a strange lot. As they worshipped their deities, they feared their monsters. From what Antromeritian society tells us, no monster was feared more than a vampire. They were even more powerful than the terrestrials that feared them. They were alluring, charismatic, and enticing. All things Antromeritians wanted to, but would never be to humans. The vanguard of his day approved the Balenia trials, and they proceeded without hesitation. What no one could have foreseen? Lugosumno Balenia were just too flagesis. Nothing could neutralize their brutality. They tried infusions of oxytocin, the mother-baby bonding hormone, but the Balenia attacked as soon as the mother showed any affection and ripped their throats out down to their spinal cord, obviously. This was not ideal for the Antomertian and terrestrial hybrids. They needed the advancement of their species, not the eradication of their human mothers that bore them. Oh, the sleepless nights Ozymandias had deliberating on the fate of the Balamania. But the betrayal came swift and with retribution, the Alliance despite approving the trials and supporting his decision, put the sole blame of this failed hybrid unification on his shoulders. He was immediately overthrown and imprisoned for a short time while the Alliance regrouped and appointed a new vanguard. 
The next step, the Alliance commissioned the creation of Venerate. He was to show no aggression, mate with a human, and propagate their species, but to an elevated form. His first contact went well. His second and third contacts went even better. Insemination had taken place. The second aberration confirmed that. How long was the gestation period for a female terrestrial? Wasn't it 36 to 40 tera weeks? Ozymandias seemed to recall that stat from one of his many research sessions looking into their genetics. How this would combine with the Atramertian's DNA? We were all soon to find out. Ozymandias' only concern was that it did combine. Surely with Venerate's docile disposition, the aggressive nature of the Lugosumio Balamania will be an unpleasant thing of the past. This time, it had to be right. They needed this to work. Stagnation of the species was not an option. Clea, I don't tell you enough, but I do appreciate you. You have been the one constant since the rise and fall of my empire. I really don't know what I'd do without you. Ozymandias looked at her. He remembered seeing Balamania for the first time. Pale, ghastly, evil-looking things, he'd thought to himself. But they were a necessary evil for the Antramertian society. Attractive was not a word he'd ever used to describe their kind. However, there was a kindness in Cleta's eyes, black as they may be, that he had never seen in the other Balamania, and certainly not in the two aberrations. She had a maternal and nurturing manner he hadn't realized he desired until she'd proven it to him. Given his Antramertian genetics and her Balamania ones, a fruitful union would never be encouraged. Cleta was the Scarlet O'Hara to his Ashley Wilkes. She could desire, but never be with Ozymandias. It just could never be. I'd always known you were grateful, but hearing you express it is very gratifying to me as well. If those obsidian eyes could have shown, they would have. It really did mean a lot to finally get the recognition she desired for so long. If just recognition from Azimendis was the only thing she could achieve after all of her devotion, she'd take it. He changed so much from when he first attained power. He was unbearable then. Ozymandias, king of kings. The Alliance built all of the Antramertians' backbone and foundation on the key principle of genetic advancement via the Balamania, being the future of all of Antramertian kind. There could be no other way. She understood how the weight of such a burden was torturous. Heavy is the head that wears the crown and all that. Why he had to be? What was it some of the terrestrials called it? Oh yes, such a dick about it and beyond her comprehension. She believed in him when everyone else did. She still believed when everyone else did not. Cleta was there in the beginning. Cleta was there during the coup d'etat. Cleta is here for the birth of the second, and hopefully, last, generation Antramentarian. She has earned her spot 
in the winner's circle alongside Ozymandias. But now, Ozymandias, do we bring the human female to Atramantis? Are they going to be born on Terra? Contingency for this has to be new. This is setting a precedent in Atramantarian history. Cleta could feel herself fill with hope of days gone by. If only Ozymandias could reinvent himself and become relevant to the vanguard, then, by association, he would also hold clout with the Alliance once again. It has to work, Cleta. It simply has to work. Ozymandias was more hopeful than since his ascension to power. It all hinged on the female terrestrial now. Waking up butt-ass naked on the day she was born, somewhere unknown to her, was a weekly thing to Allie. She'd get up, straighten herself out to the best of her ability, and take her walk of shame right out the door. These weren't foreign concepts to her. What was a foreign concept? Being so hungry that you could eat a moose. She couldn't remember the last time she was this starved. Maybe the Blue Bayou had a decent breakfast special because she wanted to eat more than she'd ever wanted to in her life. Even crazier, she was normally content to eat some oatmeal and toast. She really didn't want or need much more. Today, she wanted meat. And a lot of it. Well, more meat than she'd gotten last night anyway. Ham, beef, chicken, fish, she didn't care. It didn't have to be cooked too long either. She cleaned herself up to the best of her ability. What happened last night? The bar, good-looking guy, fish head, fish head? No, not a fish head. It couldn't be. Must have been a fever dream, spiked drink. Not sure, but last night was one big blur. She stopped dead in her tracks. The abdominal pain was unbearable. She was doubling over. What is going on? Given her track record, getting regular antibiotic prescriptions for the gift that keeps on giving, insert STD of your choice, was common enough. Although, the next day was pretty early for symptoms to start. She knew something was going on. What could it be? Her stomach growled in protest to her not getting to the Blue Bayou quick enough. Why was she so damn hungry? It was right after they opened that morning. No one was in the parking lot. The waitress was wiping down the counter. Allie was the only customer. She sat on the stool and looked at the menu the waitress handed her. The waitress, Tiffany Poole, looked at Allie in sheer disgust. Could have something to do with screwing her baby daddy, Cletus, last month. Perhaps not. You can never be sure. I want steak and eggs. Rare steak and eggs over easy. Allie flatly stated. Huh. Over easy. Something you're familiar with. Tiffany cattily sneered. Allie didn't care. She was hungry. She was in pain. She wanted to eat, go home, and crash, and get to sleep before Don's ass got home from work. 
That was the last thing she needed today. The steak was bloody and the eggs were runny. Now, just because Allie was the town whore, that didn't mean she hadn't any table manners. Normally, she could be pretty impressive with how she holds herself at the dinner table. In her younger days, she was asked out a lot and taken to some pretty fancy dinners. So she learned basic etiquette by trial and error. She never bothered listening to mom and Tish when she was younger. She kind of regretted that now. They really did try to teach her, but she just would not listen. It's too late to worry about any of that now. Allie looked down at the egg yolk running into and mixing with the bloody steak juices pooling at the sides of her plate. Any other day, she'd have gotten sick at the looks of this. Why did it look like the best thing she'd ever gotten? She looked at the fork in her right hand and her steak knife in her left. She'd set them down at the sides of her plate. She picked up the steak, grabbed an empty glass, and proceeded to wring out the steak and watch the bloody juice drip into it. Not that Allie cared, but Tiffany, Bo, the busboy, and the cook owner, Remy, were all staring at her, mouths agape. She set the steak down and swallowed a big drink of bloody juice. She rolled the steak and began dipping it into the runny egg yolk. She then placed one end of the steak in her mouth and began tearing it off. She was sucking and chewing in the process. Sad part is, that's not even the most meat she's had in her mouth at once. Bo matter-of-factly <laughs> stated to Remy and Tiffany as they proceeded to burst out laughing. Venerate had accomplished what Ozzy Mendes and the Vanguard and Alliance couldn't before. This terrarian female isn't the highest quality of human, but Lugosimio Balaminia kind of need a mother that can handle being pregnant with vampiric aliens. This was a crunch time. All of the planning, research, sacrifice, etc. Would it turn out the way they predicted? Would it turn out an abysmal failure? So much was writing on this. Don got home and stripped off his uniform and hit the shower. What a day. Un-fucking-believable. Never in his 20 years on the force had he seen anything as horrific as that. Allie? Allie? You home? Don softly asked as he walked into their shared bedroom. It was a filthy mess since Allie felt more like screwing every dude in Erie than she did keeping house. Once, just one time, he wanted to come home and see her trifling ass in bed where she belongs. He slid into bed and got adjusted. Just as he was dozing off, Allie walked into the front door of their home. Don thought, Fuck her! I don't have the energy for this shit right now. She pushed the bedroom door open. Don looked up. What the actual fuck? It was indeed Allie. What Don couldn't figure out, what the fuck was wrong with her stomach? It looked like a beach ball was in there. 
Jesus fucking Christ! Allie, what the hell? Don yelled. It, it hurts, Tony. It hurts. It hurts, Tony. It hurts so bad. Allie trailed off. Then, it happened. Don heard a god-awful tearing, and Allie wailed like a banshee. The front of her tight white shirt turned crimson red in the abdominal area. Something was moving. Something was slithering its way from under Allie's shirt. Don still heard screaming, two people screaming. He was screaming too. Allie fell backwards, plunging herself onto the hallway floor. She'd ceased crying by this point. She was dead. The youngling crawled away from its Tarian mother. It was too small to find any footing. The youngling proceeded to crawl towards Don as he stood in complete shock and object horror. He crawled up Don's pants, then shirt, and looked Don dead in his widely dilated pupils. Its pitch black eyes and razor sharp teeth were the last thing Don Hoff saw when the youngling commenced feeding. Ozymandias screamed. Ozymandias, what is it? Cleta was concerned. The youngling was born way too soon. It also killed its Terrian mother and that fool she married. Ozymandias was beside himself. How? Venerate and his docile nature were sure to make the second generation Balamania the best and last resolution. They'd gone over everything in finite detail. Vanguard, Alliance, and Venerate were foolproof. Or so they had ascertained. Ozymandias? Cleta approached. Why did this have to happen again? Ozymandias couldn't focus on answering Cleta. What now? Was it too late? Cleta took Ozymandias' face in her hands and looked into his eyes where tears were streaming down by this point. We have the option of going to terror and assessing the situation. Before the Vanguard and Alliance even find out that the youngling has one to the Terrian Hall. How could Cleta appear so kind with those demonic eyes? Ozymandias would never know. Cleta, if only we could just It's a bit fact on to mate with Bellamanians. Metromaterians don't even associate with Belmonians, let alone marry them. It'd be better if... It was then Ozymandias grabbed and interpreted her. He pressed his lips against hers and gently glided his tongue in between. He tasted masculine, sweet, and good. She returned the kiss with fervor. He was getting aroused. Stop it, Ozymandias. We can't... It's forbidden and we both suffer greatly for it. Have you forgotten how bad things were for us when we were overgrown and unable to talk? 
pure, unbearable, Ozymandias. I can't go through that again. Cleta pushed him back. His face looked like she just slapped him. He was crushed. Cleta, I love you. I cannot take you as my wife forever to make in law. You know this as well as I do. They've restricted Bellarmia from being able to mate with Atramantians the natural way. They can only combine DNA under the strictest circumstances and in a sterile laboratory. They haven't stopped me from loving you. They never could. Ozymandias took her hand into his. The flesh was soft to the touch and cold. It was so pale white. It had tings of blue. She refused to look at him. Cleta, come with me. I won't hurt you. I never could. The Vanguard and Alliance will never know. We're getting ready to board the Rhombus to head to Terra. It takes two Terra days to even reach the Stygian Quadrant. It takes another Terra day to reach the planet. Ozymandias led Cleta onto the Rhombus. As the name indicates, their vessel is not only diamond-shaped, it's also made of them. The rhombus has proven itself very effective. Running on centrifugal force, it's an energy source that is renewable whenever they travel so they never become stranded. To increase visibility, the rhombus alternatively blinks blue, red, and green. Cleta sat on the sleeper, watching him program Terra's destination into the rhombus's system. When he finished, he turned to her. Cleta, it's okay. The Vanguard and Alliance will never know. It's just you and I for three Terra days. I want to thank you in a way I've never been able to before. How could they ever know? They won't. Ozymandias walked toward her and gently smiled. Ozymandias? I just know that it's wrong. I also know that I love you too. I just... Cleta trailed off. She couldn't bring her eyes up from the floor. Cleta, my love, we are safe. They'll never know. I'm so grateful they made conception limited to the labs. There's no proof we won't be found out. Ozymandias stood before Cleta, bare, naked, and erect. But she couldn't look up. He was the one that took Cleta's face into his hands this time. Her obsidian eyes traced slowly over his body. His skin was also soft and pale, but it was a pretty color. A much nicer shade than Cleta's corpse-like tone of bluish-white. He was fully aroused and anticipating Cleta's response. He'd never force Cleta into something she didn't want. That's just not how he did things. He'd manhandled many Antramantian Vanguard soldiers, but his Cleta? Never could he ever hurt the only being that had truly accepted, supported, and loved him when no one else even tolerated him. Cleta stood and unwrapped the bodysuit she'd been wearing. She slipped her shoulders and arms out of it and let it fall to the floor. Ozzy Mendez began kissing Cleta again. This time, Cleta gave in fully. His hands caressed her face, shoulders and breast, and down to her pelvic region. She, too, was as aroused as Ozymandias. Lay down, my heart, and I want me to show you all that you are to me and all that I will ever be. Ozymandias gently guided Cleta 
down onto the sleeper. She wasted no time spreading her legs, and he entered without hesitation. She softly sighed and pulled him closer. She locked her legs around his body, and they made love on and off for the three-day trip to Terra. Gomez and Tish had just woken up when Gomez's city-issued phone started ringing again. Gomez and Tish exchanged a concerned glance. Craig Oliver, Chief of Police, Erie, Indiana. Gomez answered. Tish watched on, brows furrowed. Hey, Craig. It's Adam Evans, Lawrence County Corner. Gomez surmised it must be in relation to old Shiloh's fan guard. Hi, Adam. Is this about old Shiloh? Adam wasn't even sure how to proceed with this clusterfuck of information that was getting ready to pour onto Gomez. Yeah, I've garnered more information on his case, but that isn't the priority right now. If the homicide in Erie, Indiana didn't warrant the corner calling, what the hell else is? Gomez didn't like the sound of this at all. He had his phone on speaker. Tish was furiously wringing her hands, a habit she developed as a child when she was nervous. voice trailed off in Gomez's head. Wait, did he say Kennedy, the Erie, Indiana's version of Channing Tatum? If Kennedy and the coroner met this morning, that meant his ass needed to get into motion. There's been an incident at the Donald and Allison Hoff residence at some point in time between late last night and very early this morning. Before Adam could utter another word, he cut him off. Don is one of my officers, and his wife Allison my girlfriend Tish's sister. Gomez was terrified of what Adam's next words were going to be. Craig, I'm, I'm so sorry. Donald and Allison Hoff were attacked and murdered in their home at some point. I'm still trying to ascertain the time. Gomez dropped the phone as soon as he heard Tish scream. He flew towards her to try and grab her before she hit the floor. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. He hit his knees and scooped her into his arms. Tish was racked with sobs. It wasn't like Tish had ever considered the possibility that Allie would be murdered by one of her conquests. She feared it for the majority of her life, really. They'd tried talking to her ever since she was a teen. It never worked. It never got through. Of course it wouldn't with Allie. Thank God Mom and Dad were gone and wouldn't have to endure this. Tish wasn't sure how she'd get through it. It was imperative that she had Gomez's support in her time of need. He also had her support in the loss of his fellow officer and friend. The rhombus spun down and on top of a large hill in the middle of the Lawrence County forested area. The vessel's door opened slowly as a steam rose up from underneath the rhombus. The debarking plank dropped and Ozymandias and Cleta descended the ship. Ozymandias had programmed the rhombus to get to Terra. The rhombus, as advanced as it was, found the Einstein-Rosen bridge and was able to get them to Terra in hours instead of days. It didn't matter. Ozymandias thanked Cleta several 
times during their journey regardless. Cleta looked all over and saw no sign of Venerate and the two aberrations. They knew who they needed. Venerate had the coordinates. My guess, they weren't anticipating our arrivals so soon. Ozymandias did make sense, considering they themselves thought it would take much longer to reach Terra. The trees to the right softly glowed a bright green. Venerate and the two aberrations were approaching the Rhombus' landing site. Ozymandias, they're coming. Cleta pointed towards the woods. Ozymandias and Cleta saw the two aberrations and Venerate ascend the hill and approach them. Ozymandias took a deep breath. Cleta sensed his distress. What happened, Venerate? Ozymandias didn't even wait for them to get all the way up to him before he asked. We don't know yet, my lord. The youngling came forth in a manner of hours after conception. There was no way we could have planned a contingency for this. Venerate truly looked troubled, as difficult as it was to try to predict any kind of emotion by looking at him. Ozymandias definitely could tell by the tone of his voice that Venerate was as troubled as he was. I know both of us spent years researching and studying past mistakes to ensure we'd have a minimal risk of failure. Not only have we failed again, we've failed worse with the second Bellamina trial than we did with the first. Ozymandias rubbed his temples to the sides of his strawberry blonde hair. Venerate began to speak, but the male aberration spoke up first. You are a fool and a coward. You shouldn't even be here. Kalita should rule, not you. She's superior, but Atromatarians fear what they do not know and hate what they fear. You should have done the decent thing. If you were truly noble, you would have committed Harikari instead of trying to recover a reputation that isn't even tarnish. It's purely rusted. What would the Vanguard and Alliance say if I inform them? As soon as he finished, both aberrations looked at Ozymandias, anticipating a violent outburst with sinister smiles. Before Ozymandias spoke, Cleta stormed over to the male aberration and slapped him to the ground, and also slapped the female aberration simply for agreeing with him. How dare you speak to your lord in that manner? Cleta had never in her entire life struck anyone or shown any form of violence, even any sign of anger. Ozymandias and Venerate were stunned. Never, and I mean never, speak to your lord in that manner again! Cleta was beside herself in anger. The two aberrations just stared at Cleta with disdain. The male aberration stood up, brushing dirt, leaves, and grass off himself. You aren't supposed to strike your own kind, Cleta. What would the vanguard and alliance say? The two aberrations smiled diabolically yet again. How can you tell them if you never make it back to Tremendous? Cleta fired right back. The smiles the aberrations wore quickly faded. Ozymandias was stunned. He had never known Cleta to stick up for herself, but she seemed to have no problem sticking up for him. Thank you, Cleta. It is a duty, a duty both of them know they should have. 
who is still their lord and master, whether they want to recognize you as such or not. Apologies, lord. The male aberration sarcastically hissed. The female aberration stifled a giggle. Watch it, parasite. Yes, well, now that we've moved past that, we need to locate the youngling before it destroys all of our well-laid plans. Vetter attempted to be the voice of reason. When did you actually see it last? The youngling slithered and climbed out the front door of its mother's house. You weren't able to get it? No, my lord. We really did try. Do we have any way to track the youngling? Ozymandias was really desperate. If they could at least recover the youngling, the Alliance would never have to know. If that fucking male aberration doesn't keep his mouth shut, he most certainly wouldn't be allowed to tell the Vanguard and Alliance. From Cleta's reaction, she may not wait that long. Ozone probes for closer distances, but the youngling could be anywhere. Venerate was just as perplexed as Ozymandias. Cleta heard a distant voice. It hissed and sounded wet. What was that? She looked around quizzically. Ozymandias, Venerate, and the two apparitions returned her quizzical look. What was what, Cleta? You heard that. Cleta was extremely perplexed. We hear nothing, Cleta. Ozymandias and Venerate said in unison. The aberration just stared at Cleta, seething. <sighs> the youngling crawled up the hill towards Cleta, hissing. The two aberrations moved to get the youngling before he could reach Cleta. But Cleta made it to the youngling before they did. Stay away from him! Cleta roared at the two aberrations. They stepped back, scowling. Strike two, maggot. Cleta gritted her teeth as she simultaneously scooped up the youngling and glared at the aberrations. <sighs> the youngling nuzzled into Cleta's breast and promptly fell asleep. Cleta sighed with relief, as did Azimendus and Venerant. Why do you have it? Should our lord have the younglings, Cleta? The male aberration sneered. The female aberration cackled with glee. Azimendus moved towards the aberration, but Cleta handed him the youngling. Today, you die. Cleta grabbed the male aberration and sank her teeth into his throat. She drank him to the point of dehydration. Once he was completely assanguinated, she ate the majority of his throat. When she was finished, she grabbed the female aberration and repeated her actions. Once the aberrations were gone, Cleta went to Azimendus and took the youngling. Venerate and Azimendus just looked on. Cleta, are you all right? Azimendus was becoming concerned. I'm fine, Azimendus. I just can't take the way they disrespected you when the mules against our Trinitarian law. I didn't even care if they liked you, but they damn sure were going to respect you or die. Cleta felt completely justified in her actions. What now, my lord? It's time to acclimate and integrate ourselves with local denizens. Hopefully, we'll even acclimate and integrate with the local gentry. Ozymendus replied. Venerant, Cleta, and Ozymendus walked towards the little town of Erie, Indiana. The residents were unaware of what was about to happen. It wouldn't matter if they did know. After all, resistance is futile.
This has been a Morbid Forest production. On all this week's episode, you've heard The Windows to the Soul, Part 3 and 4, Alliance of Alliances and Venerates Syndicate by Kim Sandlin, with narration by Naomi Richards, Sean Moreau, Jordan Hollingsworth, Matthew Trevino, Kyle Bone, Ron Hyatt, Devin Bohr, Phoenix Fire, Kiefer Light, and Landon Wisnant. Our theme music this season is For I Have Died Long Ago Inside This Place by Valentine Wolf. Interested in hearing your story or your voice on the next season? Then send your submissions and inquiries to themorbidforest at gmail.com. You can also find our submission guidelines on our website. Follow us on X or Twitter, Instagram, and on Discord to stay up to date on all the happenings within the forest. Interested in more morsels of the forest? Then join our Patreon. As a faithful traveler, you'll receive exclusive access to early episode releases, the Ranger Files, and deals on merch for only $3 a month. Loving the season so far? Then leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and help us reach more lonesome travelers out there just like you. And so, travelers, we have finally reached the end of our trail with next week's finale episode. We are looking forward to giving you a little glimpse into Ranger Harper's past. And with that, we'll see you next week, travelers, for the finale.